welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. I'm Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie. And today we're going to discuss two themes. The first theme, market macroality. That's right, macroality. And we'll dive into this a little bit deeper in a moment. The next theme is the state of interest rates. Joining me today, we have Ryan Berlin, Rennie's vice president of our intelligence division and also our senior economist, as well as Ryan Wise, the head of Rennie's market intelligence group and our lead analyst. On this episode, we also welcome Eric Zamora to the podcast with over 10 years of industry experience and a constant reoccurring member of our Rennie Leaders Award. He is a wealth of knowledge and we can't wait for him to share his take on the market. A few months ago, we had the other half of Eric's team, Shelly Villani, join us on the podcast. So it's very exciting to have Eric join us and sit in the hot seat this time around. We have a lot to discuss today. So welcome, everyone. And welcome, Eric. It's great to be here. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Welcome back, Eric. Second time in the hot seat. Feels feels good to be back. It's a select group that's been back for a second one. (laughs) We say hot seat, but the the seats are actually red that we're sitting in. But much more comfortable this time around. Yes, comfortable. They look hot. They're They're, they're fuzzy. (laughs) They're they're furry. They have hair. That is true. Very comfortable, though. So uh, just quickly, I wanted to go back into... um, maybe some follow-up from our last <laughs> podcast. We were, we hyped up Playland so much. And for those that uh, don't know, we rented out the entire Playland for uh, for everyone in the company to enjoy with their family and, and um, yeah, everyone here. And it was amazing. And what was your experience? It exceeded expectations. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, the kids had a blast, I think, oh, right? Oh, especially, yeah. Like my kids asked me like, wow, you guys, get this all of this you're not sharing this with anyone else okay (laughs) explaining Um, to your kids that normally there's these like huge lines you can't just do whatever you want yeah Yeah. cleared out the bob ross dolls that was fun and then i think all the candy apples as well at the end of it was oh my gosh yeah there was way too much sugar yeah but but so much fun right so much fun Okay. (laughs) Sidetracked here a little bit, but um, getting us back on track, I think we're going to go straight into our first theme. So theme number one, the housing market has changed directions and it's not just seasonality, it's a macroality as well. So Ryan Wise, what does macroality even mean? Is that even a word? (laughs) Uh, No, it's not really a word. Um, It's not a real word, but what we're talking about here, and I think what we're trying to say is that Um, All the factors influencing the market right now um, and how sort of the June data changed and the market changed directions uh, and more importantly, why, like why is the the market changing the way it is? And so we're exploring, you know, typical seasonal patterns um, as well as the sort of macroeconomic conditions. So, you know, you expect the market to kind of slow down in June and that's what we saw, but it's not just that seasonality at play. So to kind of put some context and some numbers around it. there were about 4,200 sales, sorry, 4,800 sales last month, which is the first month-to-month decline in sales counts um, since January. So you normally expect to see less sales in June than in May. That's typical. But you'd also expect to see sales kind of peak in March, um, which didn't happen this year. And, and kind of similar on the new listings front, there was about 8,200 new listings. 
um, which is the first month-to-month decline since December. And so we've been talking for a while about this idea that the market had had been gaining momentum. Things have sort of been picking up and have been getting a bit <clears throat> more robust out there. Um, and then that sort of changed in June. And you might say, well, yeah, of course, it's the start of summer. People are going to Playland. They're going on vacation. Of course, that would happen. That's seasonality. And so what we're saying mm-hmm. here is that, yeah, that's part of it. But there's also more at play. A lot of what the macroeconomic factors that we're hearing about in the news every day is is playing into that. Um, so we'll get to the Bank of Canada, inflation and interest rates in a bit in that mm-hmm. second theme. Um, but there's some other things going on here as well, besides those really big drivers. Um, so I'd probably start with the labor market. Um, we've seen it sort of soften a little bit lately. Um, and so in the context of our local housing market, we really care about the local labor market, the Metro Vancouver labor market. And so that unemployment rate locally is up to about 5.7%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for context, last year, most of the year it was below 5%. So it's kind of ticked up a little bit. And we've been talking before, and we've sort of explored the relationship between inventory and the unemployment rate when unemployment is really low. Inventory is often really low is again, Justine, you know, we've been talking at length about mm-hmm. low inventory. And so that's sort of ticking up. Um, and inventory is as well. And so I think um, one of the things we'll sort of be watching going forward, normally inventory sort of plateaus in the summer and things just kind of cool off on both sides. But as that labor market continues to soften, we could see listings continue to rise. Uh, and that's something I think we'll be watching for in the coming months. So if that's sort of, if that's the high level aggregate take on the market uh, to this point in time, Eric, are you, is what you're seeing on the ground as an advisor, as a realtor working with individual clients, is that jiving with that overall pattern of change that we're seeing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, back to what Ryan was saying, how like if we go back to March, for example, like that's usually a, a spring market that would tend to ramp up, right? And we didn't really see, like, I mean, it, w- it was pretty active, but we didn't really see it necessarily ramp ramp up. So before we started 2023, we, that was the big question mark. How was it going to be? And, and most most of us expected it was going to be a bit slower, right? Mm-hmm. So then, mm-hmm. like, it was quite a surprise that when we got to May, it, it was like a light switch turned on. And we saw that, whoa, like, we are in a spring market now. Like, this is spring, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, what was that? What flipped the switch? Well, okay, so... I, I thought about this for a long time and, um, you know, we we basically had um, interest rates held unchanged, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a big thing, right? It's a big thing for, for, for us um, uh, because we saw so many increases um, that happened over a short period of time. And, you know, when you see it unchanged twice in a row, so the second time was, was around May, that's a little bit of a confidence boost, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you feel a little bit more um, certain, um, and you've had, I don't know, 16 to 18 months to kind of wrap your head around this new environment. So so by the time you get to May, you're like, oh, okay, awesome. I feel much more comfortable. And we saw it change overnight. Like, I kid you not, if you talk to anybody in the industry, they, they would say the same thing. And um, so we saw that continue all through May. And then... Um, Funny enough, by the time we get to June, we see it change again. So it's been a ride. And, uh, you know, now we, we're here with another increase. And that's the big question mark now. So well, it's interesting the way that you just sort of described your like what you're seeing in the market from your vantage point really jives with this idea of macroality. Yes. Being the driving force, not seasonality. Yes. Um, because 
in the spring is typically literally somewhat weather dependent where the days are a bit longer, the weather's a little bit better, it's easier to get out and about. And so there are more open houses There are people who have, you know, they've been wanting to buy for a few months, but you know, they're coming off the whole. Yeah. 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 Totally they do. And, um, so it just makes a lot more sense that, or it makes a lot of sense that, that, that we see heightened activity in March specifically. And, um, I think people were still kind of frozen in place at that time. We're quite, we weren't sure if they should come out and play yet. Like it felt like there was the storm was clearing up, but you know, there was, um, you know, it wasn't exactly perfect conditions for participating in the market. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to, to summarize, like, yeah, the macro elements definitely had a, had a, had an impact there because it, you know, we all thought that with a spring market starting the way it did in May, we thought it would probably go for a bit mm-hmm. and then it just, it just sort of the gas, the, you know, the, the foot off the pedal came, came off a bit and, you know, we saw a little bit of change there in mm-hmm. the, in the temperature. So, yeah. It's interesting considering it from the buyer side, because you can kind of understand that, you know, in this region, particularly affordability is a major concern. So when there are, when there are changes to interest rates, it impacts people's ability to purchase certain types of homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about from the seller's perspective? Did they, like, what was the, or what has been the mentality and how has that changed kind of over the past six months? Yeah, like, I mean, from from the seller's standpoint, um, when we got to May, it was, it was um, that was a pivotal time where you had to adjust how you were going to position, you know, yourselves in, in terms of a list price and all that because because the tide had changed quite significantly. Whereas before that, you know, you would, you'd be listing much more uh, from a, you know, conservative um, mindset, right? And then when May came, you were so sure that okay, yeah, the multiple offers are are, are happening on on a on, on a high level. And then now it's like you get to June and you have to change your stance again. You know, so so it's been it's I don't know if I use the word confusing, but you know, you really have to assess day by day what it's like out there because, you know, I'll give you an example is like. Um, in June, you know, you'd still have the same amount of groups coming out, but then there wasn't as like for some properties, there wasn't as many multiple offers as there was, say, in May. Mm-hmm. But there was still like, you know, 50 groups coming through, for example, for a particular listing that was, you know, low inventory in that neighborhood. So so the traffic was definitely there. It's just that, you know, when you have another rate increase in June, it I think psychologically you, you, you sort of have to revisit and assess again um, how much am i am i uh comfortable to spend and you may not necessarily mm-hmm. go uh over asking as much as you would say a month ago mm-hmm. prior right so yeah and it becomes a lot more unpredictable mm-hmm. yeah and i've been hearing multiple offers coming through but you know the pricing is just not what people thought it would be it's still com- people coming in much lower yeah yeah it's it's it, you could have three four offers and they're still all under asking that's mm-hmm. not that's not that's not un- <laughs> how uncommon. it used to be yeah, <laughs> many yeah. years ago yeah yeah and having subjects you know so mm-hmm. yeah do you see like you know we we here at Rennie poll our um our advisor group which is about 260 people strong every month um to try to understand certain elements of the market and how they're changing um, where we can't get that information through traditional sources of information. Sure. And, and and in some ways, they serve as leading indicators. And I, I think the most recent polling, you know, indicated to us um, vis-a-vis, you know, looking at 
days on market and um, how quickly sellers are getting offers after listing, how many multiple offer scenarios there are, how many homes are going over ask. It seems like, like to your point, Eric, the dynamic has definitely changed in June. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it suggests that maybe that's going to start manifesting in the data that we all consume about the market in terms of sales and prices. Is that your is that your sense that you see the summer being a little bit slower, a little bit more, um, maybe even more balanced? Yeah, yeah, I'd say balanced because um, same thing. I thought about this too in the sense that if if the sequence of those events happened a little bit earlier than when summer was starting, then maybe that might have changed that trajectory mm-hmm. a bit. But because it was so lined up with you know school ending, and and the weather just being like you know, nothing short of amazing that, you know, it, 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 it did obviously, you know, together with, with that rate increase, it sort of, uh, you know, brought it to that balance. Mm. Whereas if maybe it was a little bit earlier, maybe that, that ramped up spring market, maybe, maybe might've continued on a little bit more possibly. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. (laughs) Coming Coming back to some of your sellers, I'm wondering now with like, you know, two more, two more increases with some of this market slowdown. If you have any of people who have listed whose properties on the market or thinking about it, thinking, oh, you know, I they have a bit more urgency now. I need to hurry up and try and get a deal done before this market cools off anymore. Is there more urgency from your sellers or would you say it's sort of the same mentality it was six weeks ago? I'm, uh, me personally, I'm still seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeing, uh, uh, any sort of added urgency. Um, for me, it seems like the theme on my end has just been um, that there hasn't been, for the most part, a uh, majority um, of, of those out there haven't felt that pressure that they've, they've got to sell. They, mm-hmm. they can, they can um, sort of hold on. They can hold on. Um, they, they've probably made um, a fair amount of equity mm-hmm. in their home, and there's not necessarily that pressure to to um, sort of do anything, unless unless there's a purpose. Unless uh, you know, most of my clients this year were doing an upsize, and and um, it 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 took a long time because it was hard to find what like the right property, you know. Mm-hmm. In and I know it's a low inventory. I know that topic comes up all the time, <laughs> but that but then that's the um, that's sort of the the contributing factor to that and then um but yeah i mean eventually it 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 hits and then but there's still no pressure to be like okay i gotta sell this now you know well yeah yeah, i mean especially with um i mean we look at sort of demographic trends life expectancies have continued to increase and disability free life expectancy has also so people are able to stay you compare it to a generation ago far more people are able to stay in their home later in life mm-hmm. um, as a couple or even as an individual if one one person passes away or or, mm-hmm. or is is in a home um, it, people are staying in the familial home longer yes. and then of course we've talked about this on the podcast before but um, you know two out of five owners in this region Metro Vancouver, it's mortgage free. So mm-hmm. you talk about there not being pressure to sell. It might be a desire to maybe yeah. to mm-hmm. relocate, downsize, pull some money out of the home that you've you paid the mortgage off, you know, many years ago and it's worth many multiples of what you purchased it at, but you don't need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even with the topic of the raising rates too, like sometimes I get asked, like, you know, um, because the media talks about this too, where, you know, raising rates and, and um 
some home buyers will be forced to sell because of you know necessity, right? But I, I on my end, you know, when I when I, because I'm 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 always so curious about about this, and I'm always talking to you know so many different people whenever I can, and I I feel that it's it's those that have sold, it's it's more of just a preference. It's more of just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's more of just like you know what it's 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 at a level here where. Um, yeah, I just prefer not to. I'm not comfortable with with a monthly obligation um, at this level now. Um, I'm gonna change it up, you know, and that's um and and that's what they intended from the beginning, right? It was supposed to be like I wasn't, I didn't want it to be, you know, that uh, this much of a mortgage payment. So now I'm just gonna, uh, you know, sell and then reposition into something else that that works for us. So that mm-hmm. I feel like that's most of what I've been hearing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. financial planning as opposed yeah, to more planning. out of necessity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it in our consumer sentiment survey where the people most impacted by high rates are first time buyers, current renters, would be buyers who want to get into the market who are now being priced out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not so much people who already own and who already have a bit of equity built up that they can lean on. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So this is a good actual uh, segue into our second theme, which is everyone's favorite segment, uh, <laughs> recurring segment, which is inflation and interest rates, which is something that we kind of touched on a little bit a moment ago. But uh, Ryan Berlin, I can't believe this is still a thing, and we're still talking about it. So why are we still talking about it? I know. Why are we still talking? But well, we're still talking about interest rates because the Bank of Canada is keeping them very topical. Mm-hmm. So. Following just a blame TIFF, just blame TIFF, the governor of the central bank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in reality, there's a governing council. It's not just TIFF. It's not just TIFF. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's human beings making decisions, which is an interesting, you know, sort of observation to make about the central bank and how it functions. Because we're not when we when we talk about rates and where we think they're going, particularly the bank's target rate, we're not talking about a market outcome. We're talking about a decision that's being made by consensus. Uh, mm-hmm. based on uh, individual uh, levels of importance that are put on various elements that are that are sort of uh, being observed in the economy. So it's a very it's been a very interesting exercise. Again, we've talked about this in past episodes of the podcast, but you rewind three years ago, nobody cared what the Bank of Canada did. I mean, yeah, it was sort of mm-hmm. like, oh, they raised the rate twenty five basis points. They decreased it by the same. Nobody's reading the justification or what the Ford guidance is. Yeah. But now we're we're um, we're on tenterhooks, just sort of waiting for some indication of well, at this point, when the rate hiking cycle will will end and when we hit that so called terminal rate, that peak rate. So the bank in June increased its target rate by twenty five basis points. We all we all knew that. And again, at this point, most people are aware that in July, um, the bank. Well, that was yesterday, actually. Yesterday, as of this recording, increased again, so to five percent, and it's the highest rate we've seen in more than twenty years. In a nutshell, the Bank of Canada is just really nervous about inflation getting stuck above its ideal target of two percent. I mean, it, it it says it's willing to let inflation bounce around between one and three percent. It's always aiming for two. Um, it's worried that. It's kind of going to get stuck at three or three and a half percent. Now, it's interesting. The most recent read on inflation from last month was three point four percent. So it's down dramatically from less than a year ago when it peaked at eight point one. So three point four is really that yeah, sounds like a pretty good close yeah. to target. <laughs> close it to really target. does. Yeah. And the U.S. Uh, inflation data just came out yesterday as well. 
And in the past month, it dropped from 4% to 3%. So really just on that that upper end of the target range, mm-hmm. right? So we're now, the, the discussion around inflation is quite different. We're not talking about the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years. Mm-hmm. We're talking about inflation that is more or less consistent with, if it's stuck where it is, more or less consistent with central banks, you know, target. Um, but again, um, you know, part of the reason we've seen inflation come down is due to rising interest rates that it has sort of it has influenced spending decisions. I mean, when you're paying so much more for your mortgage, particularly if you're on a variable rate mortgage, you don't have the money to spend on other things. So at the margin, that does impact things. We've seen supply chains improve dramatically. Um, we know that inflation expectations are turning the corner as well, which is a good thing. They're still elevated. I, I would describe them as absurdly high. <laughs> they are absurdly high. What was the data point that you shared the other so day? So the, uh, the, the way they calculate is they they survey a number of consumers and they take the median response so the median response to what current inflation is is seven percent which like it hasn't been seven percent since last august right so well it's funny i had a conversation with one of my friends the other day and um he i just was sort of talking um offhand about uh, uh, housing and interest rates and inflation and oh yeah you know inflation it's amazing now that it's down to 3.4 percent and he he sort of stopped me and he looked at me sideways he said you actually believe it's 3.4 percent like he was and i said why well, mm. i mean Over, I, overstated it's overstated uh, he well, thought understated. it was understated, oh, understated. Yeah. so okay. and so you know this is something that we track. We know where the data come from. We know how it's collected. We know it's not representative of everybody's experience. Like everybody has their own personal rate of inflation that's more or less than that, depending on depending on where you spend your money. Right. But um, it was just interesting that there was such skepticism about that number. And I don't I, I don't think that that number. If you ask ten people on the street, that even two of them would tell you that it's that it's uh, it's three point four percent and. The reality is we're expecting when the data come out next Tuesday, I think, actually, um, we have another update for Canadian inflation. You know, based on our assessments, we we see it coming in at 3%, 2.9%. Like we're going to be where the U.S. Wow. is, right? Yeah. And now we can't get we can't get too comfortable with that because um, a lot of the decline we've seen this year is due to base year effects. So prices were rising super fast in the front half of last year. And they're not rising as quickly today um, as they were, but they're still rising month to month a little bit too fast. And so I know the the Bank of Canada is looking at the labor market, something they're going to watch going forward. Right, you touched on it. Mm -hmm. Still very tight, starting to show signs of loosening. And we care about the labor market in an inflationary context because when the unemployment rate's very low, um, more bargaining power is in the hands of workers, which generally, listen, if, if you're an employee or a worker, that sounds like a good thing. But it, it, that will tend to put upward pressure on prices, and that will lead to more spending, and that will support an inf- a little bit of a higher inflation rate. So actually, the Bank of Canada wants to see labor market to cool a bit, and they're also looking at things like corporate pricing. There's a lot of talk about prices being downward yeah. sticky and, and companies having raised prices because mm-hmm. everything costs more, inputs cost more. Yeah. But now as those input prices start to moderate, kind of looking around and going, you know... But we don't know if we really want to lower our prices well, too much. Well, people are paying it already, anyways. So we're, we're used yeah. to it. Yeah, we're used yeah. to it now. You've adjusted Why? your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Why I th- bring it down? Exactly. I think the the rebuttal to that is like the counterpoint is well, listen, in competitive markets, shouldn't 
companies just come along then and, and say, hey, well, I can sell for less and make money. But the reality is the markets for most things are not mm-hmm. uber competitive. So there is some pricing power that is in the hand of the sellers of things. So it's an interesting conversation. I think um, I think I wouldn't rule out we wouldn't rule out interest rate hikes going forward. I think it's, the next meeting is uh, Bank of Canada September sixth. Yeah. So we have about two months of data to digest between now and then. So it's another one of those things. Right now we can't predict it. In a mm-hmm. month from now, we'll probably have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do. If if hypothetically inflation um, numbers did meet target, let's just say which as you said is 2%, right? Is mm-hmm. it 2%? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically, if, if, if it did attain that goal um, before September, do you think Bank of Canada would still raise the rate um, to prevent getting too comfortable, like that, that sort of uh, analysis you said earlier? Mm-hmm. Or would they leave it unchanged or would they increase it? Like, so I we, always wonder that. That's yeah. a good question. Um, I think the short answer is they definitely would not raise. And the reason I say that, if we if we got to two percent by, you know, the end of August, because we've run through our models, um, we've tested the sensitivity of the inflation rate to different month to month changes in price levels, and it would take some serious deflation in the next two months for us to get like something we haven't seen in yeah. in a couple of years years to actually get to two percent. That would definitely signal that these past rate hikes have had more of an impact than they had been anticipating. And they would definitely, at that point, be on the lookout for a continued decline in inflation. So I think it's unlikely we'll get there. Yeah, I think one thing to note, um, all the the sort of base year effects that worked in our favor in the first half of this year Mm -hmm. completely work against us in the Mm -hmm. second half of this year. So last year, basically all the inflation for 2022 happened in the first half of the year, almost all of it. And so- Every month in the first half of this year, and part of the reason inflation was coming down was because price appreciation was less, but a big part was that uh, those those uh, increases from last year were sort of coming off that year-over-year calculation. And so in the second half of this year, it's the opposite. It's all these really small increases coming into the calculation uh, or when the big increases coming off. So you end up with this backwards base year effect where now you could have really small month-to-month changes in the CPI and still get an increase in inflation just because of that base year effect. So we might actually see in, say, I think August, there's a really there was really big deflation last year. So this September after that Bank of Canada announcement, uh, when the August data come out, you might actually see our inflation rate increase mm-hmm. even without a lot of price appreciation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, too, the bank is looking at, they're looking at headline inflation, they're looking at core inflation. So that strips out the outlier things that are quite volatile month to month. Um, They're looking at that. They're looking at the labor market. They're looking at expectations for inflation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that they're using to triangulate where they think inflation is going to be. They're always looking ahead. So it might come in like we might. So this whole thing about U.S. inflation being at 3%, central bank, the Federal Reserve is going to say, hey, that's great, but if all signs are pointing to that inflation rate increasing going forward, then that's going to be what dictates their decision making. So, at the end of the day, I mean, something to keep in mind um, is the what what economists call the neutral interest rate, which is ill-defined, but somewhere between two and a half and three percent is where central banks ultimately kind of want to settle in. That's that's going to be the range. So, the higher we go now. 
the more likely it is that we're going to come down a little bit quicker into that two and a half to three percent range, either either because we've had a soft economic landing and the bank just wants to moderate rates, or because we've seen the labor market deteriorate and the bank goes, oh shoot, we've overshot. Yeah. And there's a very yeah. real chance that they overshoot. So at at this point here, at what point will we start seeing a decrease in interest rates? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to see a decrease this year unless the unless the economy really unexpectedly tanks. It's been super resilient to this point in the face of rate hikes. So I think the earliest from our, like we run a few different scenarios for um, for interest rates and for inflation. I think that we're most likely looking at the spring of next year if the economy holds, if the labor market holds, before they start to walk it down. And I think the first indicator would be uh, a big spike in the unemployment rate. So like you get GDP later, it's a bit more convoluted, but if like we get um, the unemployment rate updated monthly, and if you see it jump to six, six, five, seven percent nationally, then that's a big sign that the economy is deteriorating quite quickly. And that would be an indicator that they'd be more likely to cut them sooner. But if we stay at 5.4, we go slowly 5.5, five, 5.6 five, five, um, national unemployment, then you know I think it's a sign that uh, they're holding or they're depending on what inflation mm-hmm. does, increasing again. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, if you want to do your part to bring inflation down, don't go on vacation. <laughs> Stop buying new clothes. Don't eat at restaurants. Aren't Do what you, you can. Aren't you going on vacation? <laughs> I am. Yeah. I prepaid for everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. From last year. Prepaid yeah. for it a couple years ago. Yeah. 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 Or just renew your mortgage. Yeah. 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 I find everything that we've discussed very fascinating, even though we talk about interest rates, inflation, and all this stuff so often. Um, but you know, having you guys in the room and with you, Eric, being able to share your on-the-ground experience is really. It just adds that extra extra level um, to everything. So with that being said, uh, it was great having you here Thank and joining you for us today. Me again. Um, but before we let you go, I want to ask you if you have any last uh, little points or insights that you want to share with the listeners. Um, potentially, uh, could be potential buyers or sellers who might be looking into buying or selling. Anything that you want to? Any thoughts or sentiments that you yeah. want to leave them with? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, summer is always an interesting time because um, usually it, things start to slow down a little bit in July and August, um, just naturally. Um, so there may not be um, as many listings uh, out there compared to, say, spring or fall mm-hmm. in comparison. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just kind of having an understanding that, um, yeah, there might be less selection out there. And, and with that, um, you know, I, I would say the general sort of thing to note right now is that um, I find that every neighborhood, every product is very, very different right now in terms of um, their uh, activity and, and, and how it's transacting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and I would even dial it down to particular neighborhoods um, because, um, you know, I get this question lately a lot, like, is there still multiple offers? That's probably the number one question I get a lot right now. And um, like, what is it like out there? Is that still happening? So I would say um, uh, for the most part, yes, it can still happen, but it's it's not like on such a... Uh, broader you know, general scale it's going to depend on where it is what it is um, what the price point is 
and it's it'll be that specific that um you know it's really important to talk to your real estate professional to really um uh dig into um data like talk to um other professionals in the industry find out what it's like in that neighborhood um because that would provide you with all the advantage when you go to make an offer and um and make sure that you're strong and you're strategic and you know you come out um come out on top uh, if you need to so that's a really good point um yeah and you're right everything is kind of all across the board right now a little bit different if somebody wants to kind of have a further conversation with you on anything real estate how can they get a hold of you uh yeah so on instagram i am uh eric l for my middle name zamora uh and uh email ezamora at rennie.com and um, those are the best uh, ways to get a hold of me. Amazing. You can also find Eric on the Rennie website at rennie.com slash Eric Zamora. And yes. through there, you can also find his email address, his phone number, his uh, his handles, uh, and all the areas to get a hold of him. And with that, that wraps up our podcast. Today, we discussed two main themes. The first theme was market macroality, which Ryan Wise went into a little bit of detail in discussing what that meant, um, as well as the state of interest rates. So this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you so much, Ryan and Ryan and Eric, for joining us again today. Really appreciate your time and I look forward to our next our next uh, recording. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Let's thanks, make it number yeah, three thanks. sometime. <laughs> yes, I would love that. All right, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Justine. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Mm-hmm.